Well, I'm excited today to continue our series, and uh, I thought, you know what, I've missed drawing, and so let me recap really quick for you. Some of you are laughing. He goes, there he goes again. I know. Uh, and so we've been talking in, in the last couple of weeks as we, we begin to kind of land our, our plane over, we've got three more sessions left in this rooted journal. We, we started in the beginning talking about, you know, that God called us out of darkness, out of the this fallen world. And the reason this world is fallen is because of sin. The Bible says in Romans, all have sinned and missed the mark of God. There's not one of us in this room that cannot say we have not sinned. We were, in a sense, born with a sin nature, a fallen nature. No one taught you how to steal. No one taught you how to do bad things. It was in you. We've all sinned. But and sin, Romans, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, the wages or penalty of sin is death. The word death there means eternal separation from God. We, we don't deserve a relationship with God because of the sin in our life. And you know what's great is for God, that broke the heart of God because God loved us. And so how do we know that God loved us? He sent Jesus. For God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son, Jesus. Well, why did Jesus come? Because Jesus was the son of God and Jesus came to do what? Pay the penalty of your sin. Only a perfect lamb without spot or blemish. Only the one that did not know sin. The Bible says Jesus was tempted in all ways but did not sin. He took our sin upon the cross and he paid the price of those. And so now you and I, as we come to the realization that we can't earn a relationship with God, we can never be good enough, we don't deserve heaven, we've all deserved to, to, to in a sense, die and we don't deserve eternity in heaven. But Jesus paid the price. And so as we put our faith in Jesus, the Bible says we become a new creation. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? The old me is gone. The Bible says we to, when we receive Christ, we're to be water baptized. I'm laying down the old, I'm arising anew. And so now, as the new creation in Christ, I'm not trying to fix the old me. I'm trying to understand who I am now as a new creation. I now have relationship with God. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And so in week one, we spoke about the importance of being rooted and to be rooted in Christ. The, we, we spoke about Colossians and chapter two and the importance that Paul says, now, now, that, now that you've made this decision to follow Jesus, you're to be rooted in him, to walk with him, to do life through him. That was week one. Week two, we spoke about the importance of that God has saved others and there's, there's others and, and, he, and God saved us into a family called the church. The church is his family, his body. And that as we're rooted in Christ, week one, week two, we're rooted in community. We're to do life with others. We are better together. That's why one of our culture values at Mountain Park is this. We are, say it again, nice and loud. We are family. Come on, this is a test this morning. Let's see how good you are. Our goal at Mountain Park is to be a family. Why? So that we can say, hey, you know, do we flash signs like, you know, NPC, we're super cool. Join the club. No, we're not a club. This is not a country club. In fact, this is a battleship. We're on a journey, we're on assignment, it's not a cruise ship. 
But Mountain Park is called to be a family. All churches are called to be a family. We're not called to do life by ourselves. And so we're rooted in Christ. We're rooted in community. We spoke about the importance in week three of being rooted in truth. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we live in a world right now that is so driven by opinions, social media, the news, our friends, and everybody's bombarding us with their version of the truth. But we know as we spoke about in that week, there's only one truth, it is the word of God. And Jesus said this, he said, as a wise man builds his life on the rock, and the rock is what? The word of God. And he says, the foolish man is a man that builds his life on the sand. Sand is what? The opinions of this world, the things of this fallen world, the opinions, the doctrination, the, the, the guidelines, the principles of this world. Jesus says, if you build your life on the things of this world, when the storm comes and the wind comes, your house is gonna fall over. But if you build your life, if you've rooted in Christ, rooted in community, like the palm tree's roots, you're rooted in truth, when storms come, you will stand. You will stand. And so we spoke about that. Then we spoke about being rooted in mission. That I'm a, you know, our vision statement at Mountain Park Church is realizing your role in God's story. We're on a mission. You have a role in God's story. You have an assignment, the Great Commission. Jesus said, hey, all authority is given to me. Now, therefore, go into all the world. Go and do what? Teach people about Jesus. Baptize them. Make disciples who make disciples. And this is so important for us that we're to live on mission. He didn't just save us out of darkness into his, into his, I forgot the word light there, into his light or his kingdom and say, well, now you can just sit around, suck oxygen and wait for Jesus to return. And you know, Get a harp and a guitar and kumbaya, my Lord. Let's all kumbaya until Jesus returns. We've got our ticket to heaven. We've made it. See, that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to live with that, I've got, I'm going to heaven. I'm good. It's all right. I'm forgiven. Great for you. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You need to be rooted on mission. Why? Because there are so many other people in the world that need to hear about the love of God, the goodness of God, and they need to go from darkness into light because Jesus said this. Let's not forget. Jesus said what? I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. Nobody goes to the Father but through me. And so let's be very careful because right now, it's sad, Pastor Don Doe and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Right now in the church world, there's this whole doctrine of universalism. Everybody goes to heaven. But why? Because God's a good God. No, 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 listen. You know when we say that just everybody's going to heaven, you know what we're doing? We're not acknowledging our sin. We're not stopping and saying, and this is a word that's missing in the church, repentance. It's sad in the church, we don't talk about repentance. It's not important, why? Because God is good. Everybody's going to heaven. You know what, let me tell you something. God doesn't send people to hell. Sin condemns people to hell. Our responsibility is to what? God, would you forgive me? I recognize that I have sinned. I missed your mark. But you chose me and you loved me. 
And so God, I repent of my sin and I acknowledge that you love me and that you paid the price for my sin. Let's not fall into this universalism because you know what's happening in the church is, well, I can just live the way I want to because I'm going to heaven anyway. One of the greatest deceptions that's going on right now amongst Christians. No, no, no. He paid the ultimate price. He gave everything so that you could become his. There was a price that had to be paid for sin. It wasn't cheap. It cost him his son. We must never forget that in the church. Amen? Amen. Then we spoke about why me? And remember our verse for why me? John, John 16, 33. Jesus said this, in this world. He said, in me you will have peace. In this world, you're gonna have trials, tribulations. You're gonna go through hard things. But he says, you can't have joy. Why? He says, because I have overcome. Jesus says, even though you're a Christian, don't think. Well, I would think that, you know, I was, yeah, I would expect because of my sin to go through challenges. But now that I'm on this side, why am I going through challenges? Because even though you, in the kingdom of God, you're a child of God, the Bible says this, you are in the world, not of it. What does that mean? You're still living in a fallen and darkness world. You're not of it. You're to be an ambassador of heaven, Paul says, but don't, Jesus says, don't stop and think that it's just gonna be smooth sailing. I gave my life to Jesus. Everything should just flow wonderfully. No, no, you're gonna have trials and tribulations. Hurt people are gonna hurt you. Some of these people are not gonna be excited that you're a Christian. In fact, we're living in a time where Christians are being persecuted. Oh, you're a Christian? You read the Bible? You pray? You believe that stuff? We're seeing it all over. People, if you declare you're a Christian, you get labeled and segregated in some sense. The Bible talks about this. In the last days, there's gonna be a falling, a falling away. And so we're gonna live in a time, why me? We can stop in those moments and say, God, not why me, God, but thank you that you are with me. I'm not alone. I can get through this, through this trial, John 3, 16. Today, we're gonna flip gears and we're gonna talk about get it, got it, good. Today, we're gonna talk about a blessing. And I wanna today be honest up front because I know for some of you today, this message is gonna be uncomfortable. This message is gonna challenge you and stretch you. It's gonna challenge your perspective on life. And a couple of weeks ago and months ago, I've been saying to you that I'm probably gonna offend you in a message. So I'm gonna take out that card today and say, hey, yes, Mulligan, I told you, I've been preparing you. For some of you, it might not offend, then don't take that mulligan away from me because I might offend you next week, okay? It's all good. I wanna talk to you today about blessing because in our country right now, the minute you say blessing in a church, people think of the prosperity gospel. They think of the name it, claim it. They think of the, it's you getting rich and you having this. And, and the church has really messed up blessing because I want you to understand something today. We sang the song, blessing. God wants to bless his people. This is so important. God wants to bless his people. Throughout scripture, we see that. In Genesis chapter 12, verse two and four, we we see God talking to Abraham and says to Abraham, hey, I am gonna bless you. And through you, it's a covenant he's making. He says, I'm gonna bless you and you will what? Be a blessing. I will make your name great. What is he saying? I'm not gonna make you famous. He was saying that you're gonna be a person of influence, a difference maker. And God said to Abraham, I'm gonna bless you. And through you, 
through your descendants and descendants, guess what? I will bless them. God has called us to be a blessing. There's nothing wrong with that. God, you go read Deuteronomy chapter 28. Just go read that chapter. Oh my gosh. God says, if you will obey me, what does that mean? If you'll be rooted in Christ, rooted in truth, rooted in community. If you just obey my word and, 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 and do your life, God, I want to live according to your word. God says, if you obey me, this is what I'm going to do. He says, I, I'm going to put my blessing on you. You'll be blessed in the workplace, in the field. You'll be blessed going in, blessed going out. You'll be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And then he says something so beautiful. He says this, and I, God, will open up my good treasures, the heavens, and pour down my rain on every area of your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I want that. If God wants to bless my life in every area, I want that. Well, you might say, well, pastor, that just seems very prideful, very flesh, and very, hello. Do you think I do that with my daughter? Well, Shay, you know what? I think you just need to learn how to not have blessing in your life. And so, you know what? My six-year-old, she turned six last Sunday. You six, Daddy is not going to bless you. You need to worship Daddy every day and tell Daddy how awesome he is and how great he is and how wonderful he is and make sure you do all your chores and, and Daddy. And at the end of it, when you graduate and you college, my job is done. And so, there you go. No, what's the heart of a dad? You know what? I have to discipline myself not to bless my kid. And it's hard for me. And sometimes Shay manipulates that. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> we'll go to Target. And we walk in Target. And I know where, listen, I know where the kid's area is. And she knows where the kid's area is. And I intentionally go we, go, we need to get some groceries, we need to get some water. And I intentionally, that's on the other side of the toys, you know. And so I'm going there and she's like, Daddy, why don't we go down this aisle, you know. And, and you know, and I begin like, I know what she's doing, I know what she's doing. <laughs> and so, and guess what I do? I bless her. But I do know this, that I do not want to raise a kid who's spoiled. And there's times where she has to be disciplined. And there's times where my daughter hasn't behaved well, where I'm like, she's like, Daddy, would you just take me some bite? No, no. Because the Bible says God disciplines the ones he loves. But does that mean that I don't want to bless Shay, even when she acts out? No, I want to bless her. Why? Because I love her. I want to tell you today, God wants to bless you. You know why? Because he loves you. And he wants to bless you. Why? Because he wants you to be a blessing. He wants you to be a blessing. So let's jump into this today. And let's look, let's start up with James, uh, one of our key verses in the journal today. James chapter 1, verse 17 to 18. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. This is interesting because in the Verses before, James is talking to people about being led by their sinful desires and their emotions. And as they're led by these things, they're turning their backs on God. And, and, and James is running saying, come on. Hey, listen, can you just stop? And you, you, you're looking and you, you, you're not turning your backs on God. You're disappointed at God. But can you just stop and realize how good he's been to you? Isn't that true? So often in our lives... When we go through a trial or a storm or a tribulation, you know what we do? Where are you, God? 
And I think sometimes God wants to shout down, shout down at us and say, listen, can you look back at your life? Am I not the same as I was yesterday, today, and forever? You've been rocked by the storm. Don't, can you just stop and begin to praise me for what I have done, believing that I can still do the same right now? So when a storm comes and pain comes and sin comes and emotions comes and, and we lose our job or we go through a hard thing, you know what we begin? We begin to doubt God. Instead of saying, you know what, God, I don't know what's going on right now, but I thank you that, Lord, I'm not gonna be anxious. You're working it out for me. Why? Because you love me, God. And so you know what I'm gonna do right now in the moment of the storm? I'm gonna praise you. I'm gonna thank you. I'm gonna remind my flesh who you are. If you did it before, you'll do it again. And James is writing you to the church saying, come on, don't you? Have you forgotten how God, everything you have, every gift, everything in your life was given to you by God? Listen to Joshua chapter 24, verse 13. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that, that you had not built and you dwell in them. You do not eat, uh, sorry, you eat the fruit of vineyards and olive, orchard, and olive orchards that, what? You did not plant. What was God saying to Joshua? This land that you have, I gave it to you. That food that you eat, I gave it to you. What was God saying to Joshua? You didn't do it. I gave it to you. God, in essence, is saying what? I'm your source. I'm your source. And that is so important for us as we think about this word blessing and we think about being rooted in, in, in the kingdom of God and how God wants to bless us because he loves us and we're restored to relationship. That's why in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter one, it says, all the promises of God are what? Yes and amen. Through who? Through him, Jesus. Every promise in the Bible, every blessing in the Bible is yours because you're good. No, 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 no. Through Jesus, he paid the price for those promises to be fulfilled. Every covenant promise in the Old Testament. That's why the Bible says Jesus is a mediator. What's a mediator? The one who writes or enforces what? The new covenant. Better promises. God is for us, not against us. And so in Joshua, God's reminding Joshua, hey, don't forget Joshua, I'm the source. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 18. You shall remember, and in the Amplified, it actually goes on, it says, with profound respect. As you remember, remember with what? Profound respect, honor, reverence. The Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. That he may what? Confirm his covenant or his promises that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. What is this verse saying to us? Really simply this. Everything you have in your life, every good thing you have in your life is from God. And I wanna say something. The bad things you have in your life, well, is that God? No, no, no. That's called bad choices. That's called consequences. Because scripture says God does not use evil to tempt us. But everything we have in our life, whatever you have in your life right now, God gave you the ability. Ah, oh, well, pastor, I don't know about that. Hey, when you woke up this morning, who gave you breath? Who gave you breath? Did you think about breathing when you opened your eyes? <gasps> 
need to breathe. I need to breathe. No, you rested in faith that God would give you breath. Just like I said last week, you sat in that chair. You didn't test it. Some of you did this morning because I spoke about it last week. You're like, Let me see if Pastor Charlton's pulling a fast one on me. No, you had faith just to just sit in the chair. God's saying this, come on, have faith that I'm your source. Have faith that what? I'm the source of blessing in your life. Have faith that I want to empower you to be a blessing. And why? We read in Deuteronomy. Why does God, why does he want to bless us? Really simply, so that he can fulfill his promises, that he can show his promises to the world. He wants the world to see that he's a good God. God has chosen to bless us so that what? We can be a blessing. That's why God wants to bless us. He has to take care of us, love on us, but in turn, to show the world who he is. As we do what? Declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We begin to live in this world and say, well, people are like, why, why are you so happy? Why are you so fruitful in your life? You're fruitful in your marriage. You're fruitful with your kids. You're fruitful in just your outlook and perspective of life. In the midst of all this economy and recession and housing and chaos, you're just, you're just praising, what is wrong with you? I don't get it. Wow, what's wrong with me? It's not what's wrong with me. It's what's right with me. I have a relationship with God. I've discovered how much he loves me and that he loves me so much he wants to bless my life. And that's why Jesus said in John 10 verse 10, I came to give you life and life what? Abundantly. The word there in the Greek is overflowing. Now, well, God can overflow in every area except blessing. I don't want him to bless me because if he blesses me, I'm a bad Christian. I don't deserve it. You know what? That's called works. That's called you, you dictating to God the terms of this relationship. God, you can't bless me because I'm not good enough. No, 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 my friend. You are good enough. Why? Not because of anything you've done, but because of Jesus. We have become the righteousness of God through our works, through our theology, through our doctrines. No, 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 no. We are the righteousness of God through who? Christ Jesus. All of him, none of you. All of him, none of you. Well, pastor, you don't know what I did, what I did, what I did, what I did. What you did is here and you are a new creation on this side. Old is gone, new has come. You're restored to a relationship. And God is what? God is the source. And he says what? I need to get to you blessing. Why? Because I love you and I wanna take care of you and I wanna help you and I want your life to overflow. Why? Because there's a world that needs to see my goodness. So let's change directions really quick. Matthew chapter 25, very interesting passage. Jesus talks about the parable of the talents. He says there was a man that went out and he came to three people. He chose three people. And if you read the passage, he chose three people according to their capacity. And what he did is as he chose them, he said, hey, he gave one five talents. He gave one two and he gave one one. Well, why did he give them different levels? Because not all of us have the same capacity, but all of us have something. Some of us are looking and going, well, Hey, 
They've got the time. I don't have time to invest because at Mountain Park, we believe if you're going to be a blessing, you're a blessing in your time, your talent, and your treasure. This is not just about money, this message. It's about time, talent, treasure. I don't have the time. I'm too busy. Or I don't have the talent they have. They're a five-talent person. I'm just a one-talent Oh, financially, well, they live up in that neighborhood and I don't even own a house. I live in a one-bedroom apartment. They have, no, no, no. Remember the widow with the two mites? Who got the attention of Jesus? The ones that came in with, you know, driving in with them, Lexus and Mercedes and driving up to church and dropping something in the bucket. No, a woman with two mites. She gave just two little mites and Jesus stopped the service and said, disciples, come here. You gotta see this. This is absolutely incredible. And they're like, what? I mean, that's just auntie mama so-and-so. We know she's not a high roller. Jesus, no, 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 come here, come, look, look at it. It's too much, Jesus. Yeah, but she gave everything. Others gave out of their comfort. She gave it. You see, it's not, let's quit looking at people's talents and people's times and, and people's, no, 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 look at you. Look at me. God, what have you given me? And Jesus talks about this, and he says one day the master comes back and he says, hey guys, I'm back. What have you done with what I gave you? And it's so wonderful, the guy with five comes and says, Jesus, you gave me five. I, I turned it into 10. He says, well done, you good and faithful servant. The second guy comes and gave me two. I multiplied it into four. He says, well done, you just entered into my rest. Well done. And the guy with one comes and he says, hey, you gave me one. I was so afraid of you. And so what I did is I hid it and I buried it. And so, yeah, yeah, yes, well, yes, the one thing he gave me, he has it back to you. And Jesus rebukes him. He rebukes him. And he says this, he says, you, because he says, I was afraid of you. And Jesus says, if you knew who I am. Oh, can we stop there for a second? If you knew who I am, fasten your seatbelts. If you were rooted in me, If you're rooted in me and you know who I am, you should have known that I'm coming back and that I expect that you would have taken the one and brought two. If you were rooted in me, you should have known I'm coming back and I'm expecting an investment on the blessing that I gave you. What was Jesus talking about in the parable of talents? He was talking about stewardship. See, I've taken you out of darkness and put you into light. I've restored relationship. I'm your source. I want to bless you, but here's the deal. You're not an owner anymore. You're a steward. Let me say that again. You're not an owner Everything you have is from God. You're a child of God. You're a steward. And then he goes further into Matthew chapter 25, the next few verses. So he talks about stewardship. You've been blessed. You've been given things. Everybody has something. Maybe you just have one. Maybe you have two. Maybe you have five. God gives according to capacities and leadership and abilities and all those things. But quit worrying about the guy with the two and the five. If you've got one, be faithful with the one. Because God says, if you're faithful with the little, I'll give you more. Sometimes we have to stop and do this. Take inventory. God, what have you given me to steward? 
What have you given me right now in my life? How can I take what I have, my talent, my time, my treasure, how can I use this that you've blessed me with to be a blessing? That's called stewardship. But then he jumps down into the next few verses and he says, one day the king's gonna come back, back down. And as he comes down, he sits in his throne. All, 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 all people that put their faith come to him and he separates the sheep and the goats. And he says to them, he says this, he looks at the sheep, the righteous, and he says this, hey, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. And, this, and the sheep say, well, what are you talking about? I don't understand. When did we do this? And he said, when you did it for the least of them, when you did it for the least of them, you did it for me. And then the, he turns to the goats and he says, he says, when I was hungry, when I was naked, when I was in prison, you did nothing. You did nothing. And he, and he says, and he, he tells them to depart into to, to hell and this gnashing of teeth and crying. And what is that telling me? The second thing in that, Matthew chapter 25, it's so deep, Matthew 25. He starts with stewardship, but then he goes into what? A word we hate, accountability. Jesus talks about the blessing, the equipping, and then he says, don't forget, one day we're all gonna give an account for what we did with what he gave us. Pastor, that's heavy. I know. But it's also freeing and liberating. I want to use an illustration today that I hope is going to help. Because sometimes when it comes to blessing and being a blessing, it's all about perspective. It's not about limitation. We always look at the limiting factors of why we can't be a blessing. Instead of having an eternal perspective, what does God say? And so I wanna do a little illustration today. And how many of you love peanuts, M&Ms? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise Him for His creation. Now, I have a fun size packet of peanut M&Ms. And uh, right inside here is 10 peanut M&Ms. And if you came to me and said, you know, Pastor, I sure would like one of them peanut M&Ms. <laughs> Guess what? You know what? I'm going to have to think about it. I'm really going to have to think about it. Because you're asking for 10% of my peanut M&Ms. Like, 10% is a big commitment. I mean, that's 10% of my entire stash right here. These are my precious. <laughs> but, you know, if I had the regular size peanut M&Ms with 25 peanut M&M's in you, and you came to me and said, Pastor, I just absolutely love you. I'm praying for you, you know. I go before the Lord for you, and you know, can I babysit your kid, and can I whatever, and I just, I, you know, you're so, I, I, you just, you know, you, you're such an encouragement in my life. If I had 25, and you came to me and wanted one, guess what? Nine times out of 10, I would just, yeah, here you go. I'd give you one of my 25 peanut M&M's. 
Now, the 10th time, I wouldn't give it to you because I'd probably be in a bad mood or I'd be selfish. Say, you know what, get your own bag of peanut M&Ms. Go and pray to the Lord. He will provide for you. I mean, that's what he does. He provided for me. He'll provide for you. Where's your faith? Come on. Oh, ye of little faith. But nine times out of 10, I've got 25. I'll give you one. Now, if I had a family size, 456 peanut M&Ms, and you came to me and you were just pasta. I just, I absolutely love peanut M&Ms. That is my favorite. Can I just have one? Guess what? I don't need to pray about it. I'm like, you can have one. I got 455 peanut M&Ms. I don't need to get a verse. I don't need a scripture. I'm not even defensive about giving you a peanut M&M. Now, if I had, <laughs> a vase full, over a thousand plus, probably 2,000, M&M, peanuts, and you came to me and said, Pastor, can I just have one? Just one, peanut m and Guess what I would do? You know what? You can have a handful, peanut M&Ms. Why? Because I have so many. What's a handful? What about perspective? Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I came to give you life and life overflowing. I didn't just come to bless you. I came to call you to be a blessing. See, you know what John 10 verse 10 is not in perspective. I didn't come to give you a fun size. My precious, you want 10%? I didn't come to give you a regular size. Now you got 25, so hey, if I feel good, I'll give. I didn't come to give you a family size. I didn't come to give you a vase. You know what God said? I came to give you the keys to the M&M factory. <laughs> Where every day, Every day, I Google this, every day, 450 million M&Ms are made every day. God's saying this, I'm the source. I've given you the keys to the kingdom. I want to bless you, why? So that you can be a blessing. But if you hold on, Oh, there's Pastor Charlton, he wants, a, he wants a tenth. He's talking about tithing your church. He wants a tenth of my M&Ms. No, my friend. God is saying, if you give me a tenth in Malachi chapter three, will I not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on your life? 
What is God saying? As you step in faith and discipline yourself with saying, God, 10% of what I have is yours. And the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I'm not just talking finances. I'm talking your time. I'm talking your talent. I'm talking everything. God, I just want to give back to you. Why? Because you have blessed my life. And I thank you today that as I, as I give 10% of my time, my talent, my treasure to you, God, you will open up the windows and pour out a blessing on me. Why? So that I can be a blessing. It's all about perspective. Two key thoughts as you we close today. Number one, if you're taking notes, we've got to let go of the ownership mentality. We've got to let go of the ownership it's mine. No, no, no. Everything you have is from him. That's why Jesus said, that's why when Jesus came, he didn't come just to be a savior. He didn't just come to, to get you out of darkness into light. He now is, he's not just your savior, he's your Lord. You see, you'll never step into God being your source until he's the Lord of your life. Until what? God, I am not an owner. Point number two is this. I'm a steward. So be a good steward, be a blessing. God, I'm releasing ownership. I wanna be a good steward. I wanna be a blessing. See, that's why at Mountain Park, one of our culture values is what? We are generous. We are generous. You know, it's sad when you read the statistics. America, let me tell you something. We are blessed. Pastor Greg just went to Uganda so take a trip to Uganda, you'll realize how blessed you are. We just got back from Honduras. Go to Honduras, you'll realize how blessed you are. Well, pastor, I don't have millions in the bank. Yeah, but you, get, you have a job and you get a paycheck. You know, the average global salary is two hours, two, sorry, $2 a day. $2 a day is the average in the world. We are blessed. But you know what the sad thing in America is this? I believe that the church in America could change the world if we were generous, if we were stewards, if we realized we're gonna be held accountable, but most of all, we realize that there the gospel needs to get out. Jesus is not coming for our stuff. He's coming for people. And he's chosen us, the church, to be a blessing. In America, it's sad to say, 15% of Christians tithe. It's no wonder we can't change the world. Imagine what we could do if we all had the perspective of, no, I have the keys. God wants to bless me, amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today. Lord, it's not an easy message. Lord, there's no condemnation, there's no guilt. I know in my life, God, I wanna be a blessing. You're the source of blessing. Help me, God, in my life, help us in our lives to take note, to take inventory of how blessed we are. The world around us is in poverty and hurting. We're blessed, God. But we need to be stewards, not owners. You have blessed us to be a blessing. God, change our perspective Help us realize that just giving time to others is an investment. It's a blessing. Using our talents to serve somewhere here at Mountain Park or go on a missions trip or do, investing our, our, our time and investing our talent, is, it's a blessing. And then when it comes to our finances, God, 
sowing into what you're doing, we can be a blessing, God. One day, God, we will give an account. You remind us of that, God. We're stewards, not owners. So God, would you show us today? I know in my life, you're speaking to me this morning. You're challenging me to believe, to ask bigger. Not that I can have more, but Lord, that I can do more to advance your kingdom. Because in the end, that's all that matters. We need to reach more people before you return. It's in your name we pray, amen.